And greetings, everyone, and welcome to the final season premiere of Dixie Stenberg. Yay, fourth season. I am your host, Seth Adamsher, and with me, as always, is the ever-loving, wonderful writer of this show, Mr. Jeffrey Bridges. Say hello. Oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do with an intro like that? You are too kind to me, sir. You're so welcome, you're so welcome. Unfortunately, our great and wonderful assistant director, Jim Hamilton, could not be with us this uh, this month, and so we are left by our little lonesomes. But that's okay, the show must go. Oh, we miss you, Jim. Be back next month. Please. Yes. yes. Until then, we have this episode to deal with, and this episode is an interesting one. It begins again. Yeah, the first, I think people will find the first, like, five episodes of this season, actually. They're a lot different than the stuff that's come before, so there's a lot of... A lot of um, variety coming up, I guess you could say. Ooh, um, we like variety, Precious. Yes, we does. Uh, probably should have used the Gollum voice for Yeah, this is the first um, episode. <coughs> the first episode that takes place outside of World War II. And, uh, yes. of course, when, when the first one that takes place really without a brassy battalion, since they've been formed, anyway. That's true. And, and and yet again, we have a year jump, and uh, as we come into it, we don't really know uh, yes. much of it. We, we see our compatriots uh, pretty well okay one year later after the big explosion that ended uh, Season 3. But we don't know exactly how they survived or what happened. Yes. I'm assuming that was intentional. Right, you get that information later. It, yeah, it was intentional. It, it I was going to explain it all in this episode, and then I'm like, well, it doesn't really fit with the other stuff I'm doing, so I'll just, you know, let it happen later. Ah, okay. You tease you. But then I expected nothing less. And uh, the first thing we get that uh, really changed is uh, Joey is now a husband. Yes, he is. They sound so cool together. Yeah, I, I imagine uh, last season when we had the time jump and everyone was all, what's going on with Tommy and Lily and everything? I think that they're really going to be, if they thought that was bad, I'm just, this season they're going to be all, what the hell is going on here? I can't wait to see the emails on the list from after this episode premieres. <laughs> yeah. It, that's a fun thing about writing the, um, the episodes that come after the the time jumps is, you know, mm-hmm. you get to do that time jump, and I'm like, well, where's, you know, this great spot that I can pick up into the story that would just leave the audience going, what? And, you know, just really floor them and then let that be explained after the fact, you know. You're getting quite a flair for that, you know. And, and the, other, the other news. And this is the first uh, time I think we've heard Mrs. Scalzetti in a while, yeah. Yes, I don't believe, I don't remember yes, her yes. being, or uh, him, her, uh, being in season three, him playing her. Um, it was nice getting Mike back to do uh, to do the line reads for that. There will be some bloopers. <laughs> yeah. Some nice bloopers. 
Yeah, and it was good seeing or hearing Miles Scalzetti again. And another addition, or shall I say, two small additions to the Scalzetti family. And there they are. Yeah. Believe that's, it or that's not, also these the were nice just thing uh, about jumping, you know, roughly like 15 months. You can fit a lot of things in 15 months, like <laughs> <laughs> babies. And two generic babies they are. Yes, that's right. I just used generic stock baby noises. I did not get to foley anyone's baby, more's the pity. I probably could have put out a, a casting call, but um, I didn't think scheduling would have been very, very good. Would have been me. full of spoilers, so, you know. It would have been fun, though. And uh, this is the first we get to see Dixie after a year of uh, wondering if she was blown to bits or not. Yes. And well, that's true for pretty much everyone in the episode, really. Oh, yeah, that's true. And uh, with, uh, with and with Tommy still. And it seems like yes. their relationship is going uh, well. You'll have to keep listening to find out, I suppose. Uh, mm, okay. Well, I guess I will then. Oh, twist my arm. <laughs> it's fun to actually get inside Essie's uh, Essie's diner and do some uh, some nice little sound effects for that, even though they're not many. You can still hear the radio um, in the background. Um, that they have. I decided um, what I did for the music in this first scene is um, I went from the opening credits, uh, the Hippodrome March that we use, uh, John Philip Sousa's Hippodrome March, and melded that so it sounded like the Hippodrome March was continuing into the scene as what was playing on the radio that they're listening to. So I just made it and added when it finished um, applause to make it sound like um, there was a John Philip Sousa concert going on. Um, and then did one of the other songs, I forget which one, Very nice. Um, after it. But it's actually two John Philip Sousa tunes, back-to-back, back on W-D-I-X. Oh, wait. Uh. <laughs> and yes, that is Thomas Galen, very crystal clear with a new microphone. He has gotten a new microphone. All three of my boys. Hey, I say Joseph is a is a son to me, and I would see all of my boys. Tell me, what can I do to help? Now, Dad, Joseph's here. Ah, the changes fifteen months can bring. Yes. Very nice to see them not like at loggerheads anymore. That was very concerning. Well, you know. Yeah, you could only do that for so long, you know, and they they sort of resolved that. I mean, everybody sort of resolved their interpersonal issues. To some extent, last season, so. Mm-hmm. So that they can have even more interpersonal issues later on. Dixie made her way exactly. Always a good decision. you got to clean up the early messes to have later messes. <laughs> her instincts and training instantly took over, and she dropped to a defensive crash, <gasps> slinked forward, and then relaxed. She stood. Walked off the dock. This uh, this scene with Adarchenko is also this and the scene that they have in the season. What is it? The season two, the season three premiere. We gotta stop meeting like this. 
It was a season three premiere with uh, Adachenko and Pixie outside the, the like diner. One or two before, yeah, and then this one. They always they're really they're really special to me. Um, they really have this this nice little camaraderie flavor to them when it's just the, them two. Yeah, that was... Um, there's an interesting relationship between those two that I've discovered when writing them together. And, like, when writing Dixie with Benny, it's not like when I write her with, um, you know, Joey or Tommy or Lily. There's a different kind of bond that she seems yeah. to have with Benny. And I don't even... I hesitate to call it, like, a, a sibling-ish bond. I don't think that's technically what it is. I, I don't really even know how to describe it. But, yeah, they definitely have their own... Uh, their relationship is a little bit different than, than the relationships between the rest of the battalion. It's very, um, I, I, I'm not sure if this is a, a good descriptive term for it, but it's a very, very quiet, kind of low-key type of relationship. They, they understand each other. They know where they're com- they come from in certain ways. Yes. And as much as uh, yeah. well, the United Betty's States... Betty's got a lot of... Russia. Yeah, well, that's that's part of the thing, too. I mean, Benny's got yeah. a lot of, of melancholy sort of built into his character. And, and you know, I think that might even be part of it. Like you said, the, the whole um, uh, U.S.-Russia relationship, it's, it's also kind of part of it, although they get along much better than oh, yeah. <laughs> the two later did. But, um, but, but, yeah, it's, I don't know. It was just something that happened that first time. And uh, when they met up outside the the belly deep, right? So it's just, um, yeah, I like, I like their relationship. It's good. very, very well done. So. And we're back in the commercial studio. This is a great, great set of uh, sound effect clips that uh, sound effect sets that Jim Hamilton did for this. Making it sound like an audio recording when uh, cassettes yeah, weren't awesome. really it's, it's invented. I forget when audio <laughs> cassettes were invented. Yeah, or like like one of those old uh, reel to reels almost. It sounds almost like one of those um, like yeah, like those old Saturday morning matinee news reels or something. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. He's getting quite good at this audio drama producing stuff. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and no one can sell it like Bill Young can for the amazing Noel. Now, did that come from a uh, infomercial, an actual infomercial, or was this uh, an original? Completely original. No, no. The the Amazing Noel's Amazing Tour was all mm-hmm. original. I I think there might be something in the middle. I forget now. I, I have to start taking notes. I write these so far in the past from when we record the commentaries. Yeah. <laughs> Very nicely done, by the way. But um, yeah, I don't. I think every commercial probably, even the ones that I like, are mostly original. I pull a little bit from OTR commercials here or there, like the way I've heard someone describe yeah. something in one or the other of them or something like that. But this yeah. one um, is pretty much as original as any of them get. I mean, like, completely, even without lines and stuff. It's Right. It was mostly all just made up. And I love the way Kristen does the, the amazing, um, the amazing Noel song she she does that so one so beautifully all three of her 
Yeah, he's the first character we've had that has a uh, his own little like theme song intro. <laughs> and he deserves it. No, me. Ah, and this is the introduction of another amazing character. Yes, Miss Fortune Divine. I was very excited to bring her in. <laughs> I, I didn't envision her um, with Noel from the start, but like the first mm -hmm. episode, I finally put Noel in. I'm like, you know what he needs? He needs an assistant. Every, you know, stage magician or whatever has an assistant. He needs a an assistant, and that's the whole concept of right. fortune came out of that. And things get, uh, shall we say, interesting from here. Was that your intention all along, or did it just kind of morph <laughs> <Yes>. into that? <laughs> uh, well, yes, that it, that's kind of how she got the name she's got. So, yeah. <laughs> Keep listening, folks. You'll hear it soon. And by the way, I want to say that um, M, M as Fortune, she just completely nails it. I mean, from the audition onward, she just mm -hmm. exactly what I had in my head. It's just so perfect. Oh, yeah. Oh, she just, she nailed it. Uh, every time she sends her lines in, I have to listen to them, like, with uh, before mixing them in, because they're just, so, they're so perfect. Especially all the little extras. She could not have been more Fortune Divine. In fact, it's more like Fortune Divine is doing the voice of M. That's how good she is. <gasps> Outstanding. She's so perky. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Noel didn't even know her name. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> yep. He's so keen. Again, would you do me the great honor? I forget what else is in this line. What was the product for this commercial, or was it just the choosing of the assistant? I think that's what it was. I think it was just. just there was no actual product or service. It was just. Uh, well, then the end. The amazing Noel's amazing tour. Oh well, yes, this is that's tour. True. That's true. You can go see him on the tour with with Fortune. Yes, that's right. You too can go see the amazing. The incredible, the probably long dead. With a passion, they can all just go straight to heck. Clearly, her feelings on the matter are strong. Ah, and I'm surprised the censors let that go without comment. I know. Oh wait, I was the censor. <gasps> <laughs> you did that line so well. <laughs> I kept thank you, giggling thank you. when I heard it. It's not hard for me to picture a lady in a short skirt. I don't know what that says about me, but, you know. It says that it's not hard for you to picture a lady in a short skirt. She looks like she's thinking hard. It's important to take your time with a question of such vital import. I? Yes? I? Yes? I am a good American patriotic woman, sir. Just picture her standing there, fist to her chest. She is a good American soldier. 
Citizen. Yes. <laughs> Citizen soldier. Yeah, that's it. Yes, it was all those things. And you, misfortune divine, are perfect for the job. Yeah, I thought it was funnier for that to do the... That was think, beautiful. Um, voice. Yes? Uh, Noel and Fortune together are be quickly becoming um, one of my favorite pairs to write. They're just, they're just so much ridiculous fun. Oh, absolutely. As much I mean, fun the, as the, the Dean. The Dean was great, you know, and, the dean and Nebula was great, is great, but, and Robot is great, but those yeah. two together, they're just so, they're so out there. They're so completely out there. It's like the announcer and the commercial announcer, or the Scar Troopers. They are a great pair. <laughs> <laughs> what, the Galactic Empire? Oh, no, Umkin Industries, I'm sorry. For a list of our tour dates and locations, simply send a postcard to the amazing... Oh, and I love that, Sim send a postcard. Washington, D.C., USA, and you too can see the... As if you didn't know where Washington, D.C. was. <laughs> you can never have enough USAs in your show, pal. I will? Yes. Indeed. Give us one more prediction. And I love this sound. Genius sound there, Jim. Yep. Now, is that true? Did they discover people living inside the Earth? Amazing, no? I know. Yes, they did. No. Track. You know, his last his last predictions are always completely out there. I keep wondering if sometime you're going to put in an actual like thing that that did happen later as a prediction. And I was going, no, that you know something <laughs> so outrageous that just happens to be true that we'd all go, oh no, that couldn't have happened. Type of one. And now we have the dance music piped through for your pleasure. From the good folks at G.I. Jive. It's very nice. It's perfect. It's to get that perfect mood sitting. But, you know, you've made me into a big fan of G.I. Jive, so. It's a good show. And I'm getting better with the flanger to make it sound uh, around, <coughs> around the dialogue. And not so much, like, behind it, but around it. Yeah. Yay for increasing like production skills. What are those chairs made out of? Wood? Are those curtains from the 19th century? Ah, uh, hello, sisters. Oh, don't worry. I'll help you find a place to sit. Better find a better one. But frankly, I think Princess here... Yeah, I had to use that one with her singing. It was just so choice. Doesn't that make me a queen or something? It's so choice. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Ferris. Across the room, a forlorn, brawny Russian heard the dulcet tones of a voice that had dulcet tones in more than a year. He turned his gaze. The dulcet tones. The dulcet tones. I think I heard that on a West Wing episode once. Rose and Daisy, until he met the of Iris. And this is all Marley. Miss Iris, what are you doing here? 
Lily and Freudenberg went to Niagara Falls for their honeymoon. They stopped in to say hello. Did they go over the falls? Like a certain other? Oh, wait. No, that's a different universe. Sorry. <laughs> it was a real honeymoon, right? Not a reporting honeymoon? Okay, just checking. Happy? Yes, that will work. Yeah. Yeah. You are happy. And you? I have had trouble. I have had struggle. But now, for first time since Mexico, I am happy. Across the small, now near capacity restaurant, Dixie had to get that that kind of almost flat happy sound from him. I thought that would sound better. All over my case. So it still sounds like he's got some problems, but he's happy to to be with his friends. Too quickly, I tell you what, the honeymoon's over. Oh, absolutely. Ever since the new Aeroquest was completed, Frank's been working like. And Aeroquest is back in action. That's good to know. I can do the... Yes, uh, drop some nice exposition into the dialogue. Yay! Well, that just means later on I'll be able to reuse those hanger noises that I haven't gotten to use in a while. It's all about the sound design, Yes, there will be more hot hanger action coming up. Woohoo! But of course, the war is over, so... Will there be action? Hmm. There will be action. Here they are. Eventually. <laughs> I trust you on that. <laughs> and it was nice to do a little bit of revamping for uh, our new robot who shows up in a moment. Yes. The servo reassignment procedure. It is something we have not spoken much about. Nice name, Servo Realignment Procedure. My family. Techno Babble <laughs> for you made another robot. <laughs> we must never forget this is only due to the terrifically brave yeah, This was a great eulogy, by the way. It's a little bit reality based. Oh. Yeah. But yes, if, if action's what you're looking for, Seth, just um, mm -hmm. remember that and don't get mad at me when you see the last ten episodes of the of the season. <laughs> <laughs> the last uh, ten, I'm telling uh, you, Seth. Uh, okay. Um, um, yeah, you'll regret it, buddy. Check, please. <laughs> nice eulogy, though. That was a good eulogy for the older robot. Introducing Mr. Ryan Pickens as Robot 153. Finally, Robot has a last name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the same ro same robot, new number, you know. Well, slightly different robot. I mean, it sounds a little bit more masculine. As if, you know, robots have genders. <laughs> yes, that was the intent. Actually, a, a funny uh, a thing, Kristen, who, you know, uh, Kristen Bays, who does the cover art, she and I were talking about right. the new robot, and she was asking if it should look any different or anything like that. And my response That's to her was, was, no, it should look like the same robot, except maybe with a goatee. Which was a joke, <laughs> but, you know, because oh, it sounds more manly. I want to so. see that now. I ha she has to put a goatee on the robot now. It has to be there. It's not goatee. It you know just like through yeah, one of the yeah. I told her the... she'd be like like it was um like scribbled on with a marker. Yeah, 
or oil. Like let's see if I just scribbled it onto his face with a marker. Yeah. Dried oil. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Slight bit different flanging for the robot, and the uh, the footsteps are. Ba uh, I put a, just a touch more base on them. I guess because, you know... <laughs> Very nice. Just wanted to sound, you know, slightly different from the robots that had come before. Since, uh, you know, I made a slight change when Elaine came on yes. board with the second robot. And so decided to keep that going with our third right. and final robot. I'm not going to predict the future. That's Noel's job. I'd like you to meet my niece. <gasps> New character! Well, not well, well okay. New, new appearance. appearance. But she has yeah. been mentioned before. For those of you yeah, she continuity has. freaks, I'm not going to tell you where or when, but, you know, she was mentioned. <laughs> Hopefully you were paying attention before. A couple you times. You know who she is. Roughly. Yes, you should. Yes. Steve Anderson. Yes. Reginald Billingsley. The mighty Dixie Stenberg afraid of a girl. And of course, through these end credits, we know that a few more people survived, like Billingsley, Jeremiah McCoy as Archibald Withersby. and Withersby. <laughs> Did anybody? Well, Withersby wasn't in the in the cave. That's true. But for those who were in the cave, it's nice to know that the robot actually did contain most of it. He said, not knowing exactly what happened. But hopefully we'll know later. <laughs> Thank you for more kissing sounds. Thank you. All will be revealed. Oh, yes. Much smooching. That's the sound effects I put in the scripts. You know, that's what they said about Battlestar Galactica. All will be revealed. You're actually going to reveal, right? You're actually going to, yes? No writer strikes in the middle. <laughs> that's the difference. I'm actually going to. No change of direction. No rodents of unusual size. You will know pretty much everything you need to know in the next four or five episodes. Up to, uh, through 40, 36, yeah, 40. By then okay. you should know everything you need to know, and then from 40, uh, 41 on through 50, it's just the, the last ten straight the on to the end. bang. Okay. Yep. Executing rolling up my sleeves and preparing to get to work maneuver. I think I have a section of the blooper reel that is just like a couple minutes of smooching from everybody. I don't know how he makes his smooching noises sound like they're with a German accent, but he does. It's pretty funny. It's Pete. Enough said. I think that was the take without the cat in the background. For Mrs. Scalzetti. Oh, Buttercup. Oh, Iris. I could clean it 
Oh, Rose. You ladies are too much. Melissa Johnson. Oh, LaRouge. <laughs> yeah, they're a lot of fun to write together, the five of them. I, I can't even, like, really think of the five of them in terms of their individualness to, to me. And, like, in my head when I'm writing, they're always together. They're always, they're like, you know, part of a giant collective of the Rue ladies. You get one, you get them all. Well, we have had a bit of, of individuality from Iris. Um, but that's the only one. Iris and, yes, and of well, course, they all Lily. Have different personalities. Right. But we actually they did have get. different personalities, uh, but, but yeah. Iris was the only one who's sort of gone off on her own when she went, uh, when she went with, uh, Benedict, with Adochenko. That's true. She did have that one scene with Benny, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they left to do, like, nursing for a couple of the villages when they were in Mexico. So she's yes. shown, shown. Yes. She's shown some individuality, but the others are pretty much like LaRue Borg. <laughs> no, Brian, that's not an idea. <laughs> and Jim Hamilton did the end credits, of course. Um, he will be back on the next episode doing the commercial and the end credits. He loves doing the commercials. He does a fine, fine job with it. I am that too. Ryan Pickens as Robot 153. It is like the whole world is new to me again. Amanda Fitzwater <laughs> as Nebulon 2000. Don't get used to it, for I shall end your mechanical life at the first opportunity. <sighs> so perky. We love Nebulon. I am model 153. She's the perkiest evil you've ever seen. May no one be more perky. We want to corner the market, damn it. What's a robotic curse? It sounds like this. What does that mean? I think in the script I just put mechanical bleeps and bloops or whatever. So. Yeah. Well yeah, done. That's, that's all you did. Um, and I just, uh, the only thing I told to Jim was, you know, just have fun. Brought to you tonight by the, amazing the only thing I ever tell him. Have fun. <laughs> and it was even like early computer bleep noises, not like any of the bleepery stuff we have now, but like something from a early 80s telemovie type of computer bleepery noise, which makes it even better. <laughs> I don't know, that might have been more like even a 60s noise. That was like Star Trek or original series bridge noises. That was awesome. Yeah. Of course I'm coming on to you. I've been coming on to you since the third episode. And then, of course, Hinomaki by uh, Justin Dobby. Thank you, Justin. Romantically involved. <sighs> this production was written by Jeffrey Bridges and directed by Seth Adam Scher. Assistant director, Jim Hamilton. Umkit Industries presents the Dixie Stenberg and Brassy Battalion Adventure Theater, created by... And all right, well, is it for I believe we're just about done then, and, uh... Welcome to the we fourth and final season. We will see you back here next season. month, and I hope you enjoy the final season premiere. Yes. Hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. And that's all. Yay!